Hey, welcome to The Deep End, which is just a super casual conversation about life, love, and faith between two BFFs who pressed record. This is where we like to give less answers and more questions, the place where we're not afraid to talk about the real things and sit in the awkward moments of the unknown. Thanks for hanging out with us. So today we're going to be talking about a pretty um, specific topic and it's not like widely known it's not you know 10 ways to make your marriage better or five ways to get your butt to the gym but it's very specific and very um strategic but i think it's a it's a really important topic because nobody is talking about it um so it's the the conversation around kids and allergies which sounds really small and silly from an outsider's perspective um, but I actually had zero awareness of how intense allergies could be until you had Eli. Yeah. And it wasn't even right when he was born. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you explain to us um, what exactly Eli's allergies were? Like, what was he allergic to and how exactly did you figure that out? Yeah. So first I'll say I didn't know anything either. Um, it's it's kind of one of those things like you don't you don't know anything about food allergies unless you have a child or a niece or whatever that that has food allergies and then you educate because you have to so I didn't know anything either and um, mm. you know none of the girls so Eli's the baby my baby and no um, we had no issues with the girls they have no food issues they have no health issues um, you know they just never did and I, I just never had any experience so it was news to me also it was just a whole new yeah. environment yeah so when Eli um, I mean Eli had a regular regular pregnancy I, I have very boring pregnancies they're all the same and um, even though the three different kids they're all the same pregnancy um, <laughs> you know I did everything the same I nursed for a year I introduced a lot of solids um, and foods um, early on because you're supposed to um, and you know we did all that and when he was 10, 11 months old, um, so this would have been 2017, the summer of 2017, um, He, we went to my mom's house and he was eating his regular stuff. He'd had dairy exposure that day, which he'd eaten before. He'd had a peanut butter sandwich, which he had had before. Nothing new. He'd, mm. he'd had everything he'd had before with no issues. Um, and, you know, he got really fussy and I thought, well, he's just tired. I put him down and he just was not calming, so I went up there and um, and took him from the crib, and he was just covered in hives. Like his hives mm. had hives, and it was like these big red blotches all over his body. And and I I didn't know what to think, so I brought him down and. Had you ever seen that no. before? Like even seen like a like a tiny little section of I've hives. I've seen him like um like he used to get red cheeks. And um, mm. I thought like it was from. Cause I remember, I remember like, yeah, mm-hmm. like the he used to get the little rash around his lips. Yeah, and I used to think like, oh, it's just like because he, you know, is slobbery and gross, and I was just like, yeah. he's just a kid, yeah. like it must just be from the slobber and stuff like that. And he had he had eggs like eczema, and it's common with children who have eczema to have allergies and asthma. So it's like a trifecta. It's it's really common. So he had had a little bit of dry skin and eczema. We didn't think too much of it. Um, and he wasn't a very, like, he didn't spit up a ton. He didn't have a lot of gastro, you know, um, issues, mm. which is another, um, 
you know, red flag for food allergies early on is um, issues with like your gut um, mm. and your digestive system. But, but anyway, so he was covered in hives and then he started doing this, like this weird cough that I hadn't heard before. And um, like he was trying to get something out of his throat and, um, and eventually he would, you could just tell that he wasn't okay. So I, I got yeah. in the car with my mom and she drove and I sat in the back and he was, you know, crying, screaming, and the cough kept happening, and I was in, in the back, and and he finally started, like, it looked like he was holding his breath. Like, he'd, he'd go, mm. and then he'd stop, and he'd just hold right there, and he wasn't breathing, and I, in that, like, in the car, in that moment, I, I thought he could die. Like, he might die, and mm. that was, that was, like, it was very, like, viscerally real to me that he could die in that, in that moment, and my mom was driving and she was panicking and she was like, is he okay? Is he okay? Mm. And she was on the phone with a um, emergency dispatch because she called 911 because we thought, you know, what yeah. if we can't make it there? Is it better to send an ambulance? So the uh, dispatcher is telling her to just drive as fast as she can. And we weren't too far and um, that no one was going to pull us over or anything like that. So we're like mm. running red lights and, and, and waving through traffic. And he's like, taking less breaths mm. between his coughing um, and I'm watching his lips and I'm like waiting for them to turn blue because they're gonna any minute. And, and so we get to the ER and we run him in and um, eventually they EpiPen him. So he did have what they uh, is anaphylaxis. So it was skin, a skin reaction. And then also his throat was closing up. Um, mm. And so that's when we, that's what set us on the path of blood work and skin tests and just yeah. a really like uncertain path of what is this? What's the extent of this? And really like, what does our life look like? Because that's what I didn't realize about, about food allergies is that when you, when you discover them, like your life changes, like your whole life changes. Mm -hmm. And it's not just what you're serving for dinner. It's like how you go to parties and you know, how you, um, socialize because so much of our culture is surrounded by food or, you know, surrounds yeah. food and eating and sharing yeah. a meal, which is beautiful when you're not, you know, when you don't have food allergies in the mix. But, but I just remember like I got a call from his doctor and she was telling us his results and what he was allergic to. And, and, um, and I just remember like, she was even telling me, I know this is a lot. I know this is a lot. Mm. And, and I was just like trying not to fall apart on the phone. Um, and it just, it just changed our whole lives and it was super, super overwhelming. Um, yeah. So what was the, what were the results of his test? Like what did, yeah. in layman's terms, what was he allergic to? What did he need to stay? Cause yeah. it wasn't just like, you know, stay away from penis because right. he might get a rash on his arm. It was yeah. like, he will stop breathing. Yeah, and that's the thing about food allergies too that a lot of people think, and it's probably the way we talk about it, we say like severe food allergies, but if you have a food allergy, like you have a food allergy, you can't predict how severe your reaction is going to be. Like mm. you could, like he'd had those foods before, and for whatever reason, this time it turned into anaphylaxis. So um, the way that they do it with blood work is they measure it by class. So each one is given a number, and if it's over a certain number, um, it's considered an allergen. So if it's a class three or higher, which the number's like a three, 3.5 or so, um, and there's six classes, um, mm. then it's considered an allergen. Um, 
and Eli has, I don't know how many came back over three, but he has, um, he's allergic to eggs, dairy, peanuts, mm, several tree, like enough tree, tree nuts where we avoid them all. Um, at first they told us also wheat. Um, yeah. So yeah, dairy, eggs, nuts, tree nuts, soy, I forgot soy. <laughs> and then at the time yeah. they told us wheat and possibly fish. Um, since, you know, through testing and stuff, we determined that wheat was not one and fish was not one. Um, so now his allergens are, are egg, dairy, peanuts, tree nuts, and soy. Um, but his numbers, like, you know, it's, it has to be a 3.5 or whatever to be an allergen considered a, a legitimate food allergy. And his, he's, his top three allergens are over 100. Oh! <gasps> So oh his, my! His numbers, I did not even know that. Yeah, it's insane. Um, yeah, it's insane. So when I've been in groups, and groups are so great, and um, you know, when you gather, of course, sometimes you find groups that are are really bitter um, and struggling with that. Um, it's a journey. So um, mm. you know, you get a mixture. But I found so much support and so much help through um, like Facebook groups for parents mm. with multiple kids with multiple food allergies um and then now through his treatment program um that group of people has is just super unique um and really supportive but you know they ask what are you know the three highest and how are you managing and and I realized like Eli's is not a common case it's not common mm. yeah and it's not easy um even in his treatment program he he is one of the more extensive cases yeah. Um, so what happened the first time you were like, okay, so we have all these allergies and like, what were you, what were you feeling in the, let me rephrase the question. What was the moment that you went from, this is going to be impossible to like, okay, let's figure out a way to make this work. Like how, what yeah. was the timeline between that? Um, so I think. I remember sitting on the phone with my doctor, with his doctor, and I had a piece of paper and she was like, okay, I'm going to read to you his results. And I was like, all right, sweet. So she started reading and she just kept going and I just kept writing. And as she wrote, like I got more and more disheartened by how much mm. we were going to have to deal with um, as far as like what, what he was allergic to and how to avoid it. And I was still nursing at the time a little bit. Um, and she was like, you know, you're, you're going to have to change your diet because if I'm eating it and nursing him, he can have reactions um, through the milk. Through yeah. the milk, yeah. So, so then I was thinking to change my diet, um, but I think the the episode of the anaphylaxis was such a shock that I didn't have a lot of time because mm. I, I I mean they gave me the news and then I came downstairs and I had to feed him something like yeah. I didn't have time. Um, I didn't have time to to not think it was possible like. It just had to be. So yeah. I started. Um, I started researching, and and it was really hard. Like I spent a lot of nights in the kitchen, like what did you crying find in that and, first? Like God, you I don't hang remember. up with the doctor, and then you walk downstairs, and you're like, I probably just. And you know what? I was afraid to nurse him because yeah. of I wasn't avoiding. And you know, it takes dairy weeks to get out of your yeah. system when you're nursing. Yeah. So I started weaning him immediately. Um, not cold turkey, but I just did. Um, but well, what I was think, the moment like going through your pantry and you're like, oh, can't have that. Threw, nope, yeah. can't have that. Can't have that. Yeah. Um, it was surreal. And I spent a lot of time in the grocery store, like 
reading labels and it, it was a lot. It was a lot. Mm. It was really overwhelming. Um, and I remember just telling Ish, like, I remember telling Ish, like, how do we keep him safe? Mm. Like, how do we, how do we keep him safe? And it's, that's, that's one of the things I feel like has been a theme in my, in my journey as a mom that even starting with the miscarriages, like, how mm. do I, how do I protect and how do I take care of these lives? And just realizing that there is only so much I can do and I need to do that part, due diligence, and then, and then pray that God has the rest of it because I cannot afford any extra stress and any extra worrying about the things I can't control. And yeah. I can't control what kind of kid was on the swing before him. You know, mm. like, did that kid eat peanut butter and eggs for breakfast? I don't know, but I'm not going to not take my kid to the park. Like I can't, Yeah, I couldn't live in a place where I was like paralyzed because he had to eat. He had, we had to move forward. Mm. Um, so God was really good in that, in, in that support that came from the group. And my family was really supportive. Like they made all kinds of changes that they could. Um, cause we get together for family dinner a lot, yeah. um, and things like that. So they were really willing. Um, I mean, yeah, cause this affects, I mean, you said it in passing, but it literally affects like, do you take your kid to Sunday school? Do you take your kid yeah. to the doctor? <clears throat> like, what is he touching? What is he, what is he coming, you know, and, and they're kids and they put everything in their mouth. And so you're already being like, don't touch that. That's dirty. And now you're like, don't touch that. That could kill you. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. like this daunting, um, potentially incapacitating. Like you yeah. could have become the mom that just locked her and her kids up in the house and did nothing, you know, and that would have Dude, been justifiable. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think God protected me from that because, because I had to move forward and, yeah. and I didn't realize either. So I didn't realize, like you're saying, like that would have been daunting. Like, I think I felt overwhelmed and I didn't know what to do, but I knew I had to move forward. And I, I, Ish and I were talking about this, but I wasn't, I was overwhelmed and stressed, but I wasn't fearful. It was weird. Like I, God took the responsibility from me so early on that all I could do was focus on what I could do and then mm. trust that he, that it would have to be enough because it's all I had. Yeah. Wow. So, and I didn't realize, I didn't realize how daunting it was until we started going through treatment. And there was one visit in particular that um, that was really heavy for me, and I didn't understand why. And it was his first um, his first form of dairy introduction. So mm. we'll talk about treatment and stuff, but um, it was the first time he'd been introduced to any form of dairy since his second reaction, which we haven't even covered. But um, when he was exposed and he was okay, because that's how the treatment's working is it's it's essentially curing him. It's incredible. It's incredible. Um, but in that moment, I felt this giant relief like that just what made me want to cry. And I realized that it was because I have I've been living every day with the reality that he could die. Mm. He could die from something that I could not control or that I wouldn't even have the opportunity to to intervene in. You know mm. what I'm saying? And yeah. living with that every day will debilitate like it will take yeah. you out. But yeah. I feel like that's where like God protected me from that. And I didn't realize how heavy it was until he was taking it from me. 
Mm. You know what I mean? With and because every every visit and every step we take in his treatment is another he's that much closer to not dying from this reaction. Yeah. Like from yeah. this situation, which was might sound morbid, but <laughs> Yeah, but it's real. I mean that's yeah, that was yeah. a reality, yeah. Yeah, I remember you calling and um one time in particular just being like, I don't I don't know how to I don't know how to make this my way of life. Like everything I need to teach, you know, my girls what's say, you know, I, one of the things I love and I just got to see it when we visited is like <laughs> your girls are so trained to know like Evelyn reads and mm. they know what's safe for Eli and they know what's not safe for Eli. Like, oh, that's not yeah. safe for Eli. And they're very aware. And I think what could have been this like, daunting task or daunting mission as a family you guys you and ish together turned it into this like okay we have each other's backs this is how mm. we are going to be family in this season um you yeah know, this it really is dangerous for our brother we love our brother we don't want him to be hurt and so you know we can't have string cheese in the house anymore you know like that's yeah kind of a big deal for a kid to not get to eat ice cream and yeah. like their whole your whole family's life had to change yeah you know, on his behalf. How did you, um, what was his second reaction? So, um, so that was his diagnosis. He was just under a year and that was in the summer of 2017. And then, um, in May of the next year, 2018. So almost a year later, um, he, we were at my mom's and this was totally my fault. But I mean, it's the it's the life. So <laughs> I yeah. was eating a string cheese, and he was outside at my mom's house, and he fell because he was a toddler, and they fall all the time. And but he started bleeding from his mouth like a lot. Mm. So I ran to him, and I didn't even think about it. And I started, you know how like you push their cheeks back to see their teeth. So I started yeah. pushing back his cheeks so I could see into his mouth to see like where's the bleeding coming from and all of that. And then he broke out and it was the same thing. He broke out mm. in hives. He started doing the cough thing and I put him in the car immediately because now I knew I had tools. I had an EpiPen. I had an action plan and everything, yeah. what to do if he was exposed. Um, and so I put him like in the car. Like you touched string cheese and then, and then, I then touched your him. finger touched his face. Yeah. Like we don't, I don't, I don't even like think about the actual like contact to contact it wasn't even direct contact with the cheese yeah. it was secondary contact yeah that that was a whole nother world like cross-contamination especially mm -hmm. eating in restaurants is really like we have a couple that we go to we don't really venture out too much unless we have to yeah which is fine because who in their family of five eats out a lot like it's so expensive <laughs> anyway but Seriously. um yeah it's it's really hard because if they touch you know if you're getting him a, a burger and they touch they put that burger patty on the place where the patties with all the cheese go he's done Game like over. that's it yeah. yeah I've I've only had one bad restaurant experience where I've left in the middle of the meal because it was clear to me that they couldn't handle they couldn't handle the the because you go and you tell them 
in the nicest way because I hate being this person, but you have to be, you have to advocate for your kids. So I, I tell them, okay, so I ask to speak to the manager and I tell them, you know, if I can't call ahead, I, uh, calling mm-hmm. ahead is ideal, but if I can't call ahead, I talk to the manager and I um, tell them, Hey, my, you know, my son has food allergies and these are his allergies. Ask a couple questions like, do you have a dedicated grill for someone that has food allergies? Do you have fryers that are separate because so if you go to a place that has fried food sometimes all the fried food goes into the same fryer and if there's something like breaded that has milk product on it um, and then the french fries also go in there now the french fries are cross-contaminated so there are all kinds of things and that i had to learn and that community was so great and helpful in that Um, so you learned all those techniques from your facebook groups yeah and and yeah pretty much that's amazing. Yeah, it was it was great. Um, but I will say, though, that because whenever something like that happens and you become um, a part of a group that needs special protection and special treatment, which is what it is, you need special mm-hmm. accommodations, um, it's easy to become bitter to the people that don't understand or yeah, the people good. that... Um, that say things and and you're and you take it offensively because you know the reality of your situation and they don't Mm -hmm. and i think um this this gave me a lot of opportunity to gently and lovingly um educate and Mm -hmm. um and to really understand that people don't know what they don't know and we can't hold that against them um and it gave us a chance to you know talk to the girls about um, you know, some people have situations that we don't understand and we need to be considerate of those things and just the way that we are for Eli and the way that um, it makes such a big impact when other people think about him. Mm. Um, so if you choose to focus in this situation and really in life, um, in any in any struggle or whatever, but if you choose to focus on the things that make it hard, on the people that don't understand, on the things that people say that may or may not be intentionally um, to hurt you. Um, if you focus on that, it'll just take you down. It'll take Mm -hmm. you under so fast. That's so good. It'll take you under so fast. And if you look for the good, it's overwhelmingly more than the Mm -hmm. bitterness. And that's, that's something that I feel like God has taught me in this process is there's been so many interactions where I've been blessed by the love of other people and the consideration of other people for my son, even if they don't know him, even if we're total strangers. Um, and that, that has had a big impact on me just dealing with people, Mm. you know? Yeah. I mean, it gives you, I think, I think your perspective is, um, it's not common. And like you said, it's easy to slip into the, into the bitterness because you have the perspective of, don't you understand? Like this is life threatening for my son, but nobody else has that perspective Mm. um so it's like this heavy weight and I think it gives it gives the ability to have empathy and compassion for both parties for the mom who is bitter you know because now I can look at her and I can be like man I know that I know what you're feeling I know why you're reacting the way you're reacting because Mm -hmm. like your child's life is on the line you know and I know that that's a heavy weight to bear and then on the flip side you have compassion for people because they don't they don't know you know what's on the line unless you tell them yeah um so how so eli is in treatment right now freaking miracle treatment tell (laughs) us how you found it and what exactly it is okay so um first of all it's um 
run by an institute called the SoCal Food Allergy Institute, um, and it's out of Long Beach, California. And it is um, not a program that's done anywhere else. Um, mm. People are moving. It's literally the only one in the country. It's the only one in the world. People are moving and flying. Because this doctor developed this process himself. Um, and food allergies is in its infancy as far as treatment. So this is the mm. other thing is when you are diagnosed with food allergies, you are given avoidance and that's it. And mm. and it it's not a treatment. It's a it's a like coping. Like this is how you have to live with yeah. this. Yeah. Um, so so this is a pretty um, I guess you would say it's like the it's the beginning of a new um, medical possibility for treatment. Yeah. It's just it's at its infancy. So we found out about this from one of those groups early on, very early on. And I remember in the fog of it just thinking, okay, that sounds too good to be true. And mm. they had a wait list that was like two to three years long. And I thought, okay, he's young. I'll just put him on the wait list. And, and I just went back to finding recipes that were free of all of his allergens and consuming my time with that. And after his, um, that incident, his second reaction, um, I took, we took him to church and the, they prayed over him and they anointed him with oil. And I remember them praying. One thing stood out to me that, um, when relief came, that it would be, that we would be, um, very intentionally thankful to God and not to anything else, like Mm. not put it to modern medicine and things like that. Um, and it stuck out to me. And then the next week I got a call from the people at SoCal and they told me that we were up and I was like, it's been a year, you know, it's been maybe a year, less than a year and a half. This can't, we can't possibly be up. And I asked them like, did you guys like, what happened? How did this happen? And they said, oh, you know, we've come into some new funding and our process is speeding up. It's doubling. And I was like, I like cried on the phone. Oh my gosh. And it was like, and this is, this is something else that I'm learning in this. Like, when we think about miracles, we think about the way God works, like we think of like that big overnight, like unexplainable mm. situation. And yeah, those are miracles for sure. But like this miracle is one that it's like the longest miracle, <laughs> the most painful miracle, the mm. most like day by day mundane carried out through human hands miracle. And yeah. it's it's so incredible and i sometimes i'm so caught up in the day-to-day managing it that i forget that it's a miracle and god is like working through my very basic efforts to like get him the right foods and get him the right treatments and working a miracle in my kid like it it's it's incredible so so anyways they they came into this funding and uh went through twice as fast and we were up and it took a lot of um so I won't get too much into the science of it, um, but if anyone has questions, they can most definitely reach out to me or or, or the institute. But um, they do um, the most specified testing for allergens that exists. So they're not just looking at, are you allergic to milk? They're looking at, are you allergic to these proteins in milk? Which proteins in milk are you allergic to? To what um, degree could you tolerate a certain amount of this protein before it would lead to a reaction? Mm. Um, it's it's very very specified um, diagnosis numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so the way it works in the most simple terms is that foods um, foods are food allergies live in families. So if you have an allergy to um, 
one thing, you're more likely to have an allergy to another. Um, so Eli has like five families of food allergies and there's like six allergens in each one. And some of those are at a level where he can tolerate them. So when we started dairy, for example, he could tolerate, um, well, he could tolerate beef. He, so beef is a regular thing that he eats. Mm. Um, and then the next thing that we would introduce was going to be um, uh, goat milk, camel milk, sheep yogurt. Like these are things that are similar in protein to milk, but they're not, yeah. they Straight won't set milk. off a reaction. Yeah. And they have some proteins that are similar, but only the tolerant ones. And so it's, imagine them like stuck together like a train and you start at the one that is tolerant and the one on, that is, would cause an anaphylactic allergy is at the end. And by working from the tolerant end, you pull the entire train from mm -hmm. anaphylaxis to tolerant. And so now we're a year in and, um, and he just had his introduction to dairy. So just straight milk, chocolate milk, his choice. That's um, so crazy. <laughs> he had a, a milliliter of chocolate milk and you just, just ingested, like you just ate it. And now um, he's like, he's good, like nothing happened. And so for And this it, program, the treatment is, it's risk-free, right? So like it's as, yeah, so it's- is, they're not gonna take any life-threatening risks on your kid. Yeah, so if you do a traditional OIT treatment program, which is like an oral, it's basically like feed small amounts, um, mm -hmm. your chances of having an in-office reaction Oh, don't quote me on this, but it's somewhere around 30% will have a reaction. Um, and same thing with challenges. So traditional allergists will say, hey, this this level isn't that high. I think we could challenge this food where they essentially just feed it and see what happens to your kid. Um, the reaction and failure rate for those is pretty high, about like 25, 30%, somewhere in there. And um, this program has never had a reaction in the office. Wow. Like they've never EpiPenned a kid. They've never had an issue like that. I think they've had like three reactions, EpiPens on the outside, and those were due to misdosing. So that means like they were given the improper amount or they were mm. accidentally exposed like any kid could be in their situation. Um, so that, and I had to get used to that because every time we go and they give him something he's never had that should kill him yeah, and nothing happens, I'm just like, what? what happened like, like what, what happens in your mind as a mom who's like in like I've seen your pantry door like there are <laughs> lists and charts with numbers and letters in forms that I don't understand there's a bucket that yeah. says e not Eli safe you know like your fridge yeah. is very strategically set up and positioned and don't touch these mm -hmm. yes you can touch these so as a mom who's and you're a three on the Enneagram, so like anything is possible <laughs> for you. You're like, all right, challenge accepted, let's go. Yeah. Um, but you've mentally set up this structure, this is not safe, this is not safe, this is not safe, and now you're watching a doctor hand your kid chocolate milk. Yeah. Like, what does that do to your mind? Yeah, so Ish and I were just talking about this because once he, so the way it works with the foods is they introduce it in the office, and if all goes well, they send you to home and they give you a dosing schedule for five to seven weeks. So for example, with the dairy, I'm giving him one milliliter of dairy in the afternoon every day for a week, and then it'll be five milliliters, and then it'll be 10, and then it'll be you know, 30 up to, I think, 45. And um, so Ish was giving him his dose. I was texting him. I was like, oh, don't forget. you know, Don't forget his dose. It's one milliliter. 
And so he gives him his dose. He texts me back. He's all, that was weird. Like, (laughs) it's weird. Like, we have to. And the thing that I remind myself is, like, he's in the middle of a miracle. And Mm. his body is not the same. Like, that's the thing I remind myself. Like, he's in the middle of a miracle. And his body is not the same. Because truly Mm. it is. And I'm, I'm so excited. I wish I had them now so we could talk about it. But we just did uh, repeat blood work. So he's been in treatment for a year. So now we redo his blood work before moving on to the next phase to see how his body is changing. Um, to you know, see that quantifiable number of yeah. what this process is doing to him, he's not the same. So I keep reminding mm. myself when I'm feeding him milk and yogurt, he has you know three ounces of yogurt every morning and it's not sheep yogurt or coconut yogurt, like it's Yoplait. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's yeah. really hard to wrap my mind around. Yeah. Um, can you walk, before we talk about the it, like the treatment stuff, can you like give us a normal, what does your morning look like? Because when I yeah. stayed with y'all, I was like, dang, this is very routine. And it's a family ordeal, you know, like yeah. Ish knows the rule. It's This isn't just like Christina carrying the load of her family. This is yeah. like Christina and Ish, husband and wife, we're doing this together. We're yeah. walking our son through the middle of a miracle hand in hand with these doctors and our mm-hmm. daughters are doing it with us you know yeah um, they are so what is a Evelyn, normal yeah <laughs> she's Evelyn a rock star she'll be like you forgot this and I was like oh thank you yeah she knows his or dosages she, like all of yes. that <laughs> she knows yeah. like when he's just holding his little brazil nut instead of eating it and she's yep. like Ela is not eating it you know I know like, for she's real very aware so what does yeah. your normal morning or day look like Yeah, so our normal day, um, the morning is probably the most taxing because that's when he has to eat his maintenance food. So once he gets um, through an introduction, through dosing, through a challenge, food moves to maintenance and all maintenance has to be done in the morning four hours prior to when dosing happens, which has to happen in the afternoon, two hours before bed. So there's like this window of things that have to be eaten. And if you have, dude, if you have a child, like (laughs) if just think of like, your kid has to eat this every day. Yeah. And it's that that alone was like, okay, how do I make him do this? So, so in the morning he has um he has brazil nuts, one he has brazil nuts, pine nuts, macadamia nuts, pea protein, uh, coconut flour, um 3 ounces of yogurt, boiled dairy milk. So like we take 2%, we boil it, we put it in like a container. Um so boiled dairy and um I'm trying to think if that's all the food. I believe that's all the food. And then he has, um, he takes Zizol, which is just an over-the-counter allergy medication. Mm-hmm. He um, does a which multivitamin. Which to name the new turtle Zizol. Yeah, we got a tortoise and they're all, let's name it Zizol. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, please. <laughs> She's like, I do not want to remember this phase remember of my life ever. for the next hundred years. <laughs> Seriously, it's like, we're going to forget this one day. So the Zizol... <laughs> And then a Flonase, like a, a spray for each nostril. And then um, he takes a multivitamin because it was the only way to get him to do Flonase was to bribe him with a vitamin. Um, and then he has SLIT, which is um, which is another type of treatment um, for environmental food allergies. Okay. Um, so the way I present that to him is usually he just eats the nuts plain. I'll try to like make a smoothie so I can get most of everything else in there. Um the other thing that he has to do is um, he has recommended foods that have to be eaten when they say recommended, but they're not, they're like required <laughs> uh, three times a week. So three times a week, he needs to eat an apple, a stone fruit, 
um, a pear, like peach, like think about like the pit, like peaches, nectarines, plums, cherries. Yeah. Um, and all, and it's so crazy because no matter, um, every kid in the program has different recommended foods. It's all personalized, which is, which is what makes it so effective. It's so personalized. Mm. Um, so that's his, that's his, that's my like daily process. Some, you know, if I ran out of milk, I'm boiling milk. If we're out of sheep yogurt, we are driving <laughs> to, you know, roots and picking it up. But, um, but it's incredible like this. Um, I was telling Ish in the car today, actually, that like what I've learned from grinding up nuts and just the painstaking like steps and, and measuring and prepping and bribing him to eat it and do this process has just been like I, it's like this perfect illustration of love and what it Mm. looks like when it's service, like love and sacrifice together. Yeah. Um, and I know it's not like the most perfect gospel illustration, but when I think about the sacrifice that I'm making, that we are making for his safety, for his good, it makes mm. me think of, it makes me think of Jesus. Like it makes me think of, and I know you might take that the wrong way, but stay with me for a second. <laughs> but it, what it, it, it made me think, and I remember looking at him running around the park one day and there was a kid who had goldfish and they were on the floor, like goldfish cheese crackers. Mm. And he was just running. He just had no, he was so oblivious but I had, I, I went and I swept him away and I moved him to the other side and, you know, all of these things that we're doing to protect him. I just think of like the heart of God when he did what it took to protect us, when he did what it took mm. to ensure our yeah. good and our safety and our, yeah. our thriving. And I, it like, it's showing me more and more what motherhood is really about. It's about, mm. you know, reflecting that sacrificial love and, um, you know, I think that, I think the gospel and what God has done and who, even who God is in general is so, um, dynamic that we have this Bible and that's, it's incredible that we have it and it's great, but it's in language and it's through perspectives and it's in stories, but I don't think God could communicate it clear enough if we had 10 lifetimes who he is and what he's done. So when I have a situation like this with Eli and God says, Hey, look at that. It's kind of like me. I'm thinking like, thank you for that. Thank you for that Mm. illustration because I need so many illustrations so that I can even begin to understand the depth of it, you know? Yeah. So I think that's one of the things that I have admired the most about you throughout this process is is watching you um, not because it would be very easy and understandable for you to go into this place of of panic or of hysteria. Mm. Um, and I think you're such a like a teacher at heart. You're such an educator at heart. Like it's who it's who you are. It's who you are at work, literally. But mm-hmm. it's who we are with your kids, and so. And you teach young marrieds, you teach young, you know, the younger generation of girls. Um, I think watching you in this role as mother teacher in such a weird subject choice Mm -hmm. um, has been really inspiring for me because your heart is genuinely not to just do the thing 
and keep the kids safe. Like you want people to be educated around you. Mm -hmm. Like you want your girls to know empathy and compassion and how to, how to serve people, how to love people where they're at. And you know, the same thing with your marriage. And I just feel like watching you through this, even though I know it's been heartbreaking and stressful and hard on the inside, like from the outside, it's, it's, it's beautiful, you know? Yeah. And I think it's such a niche of a topic that not a lot of women get that. Like not a mm. lot of women get the, the person on the outside saying like, Hey, I did it. You can do it right too. You know, like yeah. they've seen this as a life sentence for their family. And yeah. you know, the fact that you dug and found a, a treatment that could possibly work and you guys push through it and it's a financial commitment and yeah. it's a time commitment. It's driving up to long beach and, but you're seeing, I love that verbiage, like it, you're in the middle of a miracle. Like you're in yeah. the middle of watching your son become physically a different person yeah. than he was before. Yeah. I love what you said too about like it not just being about him being safe. And like this program is not just about him eating whatever he wants. It's a perk. Yeah. Like am I excited to take him to get his first like ice cream cone? Yes, I am. But <laughs> yeah. I think what's the most exciting is that the girls are watching me through this process and they're learning, Mm. like you said, that empathy and that compassion. I don't know if he's learning anything. He's so young. (laughs) He might not remember this. (laughs) Um, But they're learning and people around me are learning and I am learning. And yeah. And, and also too, like taking these steps will change the way that he can relate to other people. Like food is not the end goal. Like the end goal is that they would, they would see the good that has come out of a struggle. Like how cool Mm. that my girls can see, like there was this dangerous thing and there was this um, struggle we had and this challenge. um, But look at us, we're on the other side now. And that it wasn't magical and it wasn't easy and it wasn't fast, but it happened. Yeah. And I think like if I can show them that, like what else am I doing as a mom? You know what I mean? Like that's so worth the time and it's so worth the struggle. And I hate that this is part of our journey, but again, like with the suffering, I just can't imagine. I, I don't think I could have learned any of this in any Mm. other situation and it's worth, it's worth the learning. I don't know. And and in in your, in my best time and I'm in a good place right now with this. So I'm going to say it. So in my best time, I, I thank God for the way that he's, protected me from falling all the way down into the bitterness and Mm. staying there because it would have been wasted. I would have missed it. My girls would have missed out on it. Um, and, and it's, it's just so cool. The opportunity that we get in, in, in situations that look like they're not, there's no hope for them. Yeah. You know, that's so good. Well, thanks for being brave and going. And finding the solution because yeah. <laughs> there may be moms listening to this, you know, that this isn't going to be like our sexiest podcast, but, you know, that are, are looking for hope and yeah. looking for this treatment in Long Beach. And they're like, dude, I'm totally alone in this weird yeah. space. And so, um, yeah, I'm super I think, grateful for you. Oh, I appreciate you giving me space to talk about it. I think, yeah, um, so. I think for that mom, that's like in that place, it's just really important to remember that like one, one thing at a time. Mm. feed them something next like you just take the next step um and surround yourself with people that are going to support you um and that they're out there that the food allergy community is one of the fiercest mothers 
groups mm. I've ever seen because it's life or death and they're they're yeah. all in it for their kids. So yeah. we are out there. So come find us. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Maybe we can put um, – you can give me some links and we'll put those in the resources so yes. people can get in contact if they need. Yeah, I'd love to do that. So, yeah. All righty. Well, thanks for sharing. Thank you. I love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye.